There's no one funner to be around than somebody who's content. People who are content are fun to be around. I'm going to tell you right now, because they're hardly ever stressed out. They hardly ever worrying about anything. They just, life is good. They're content where they are. They're happy where they are. If something happens the next day, great. If it don't, great. They're good with where they're at. People who are content are awful, satisfied people to be around. They're satisfying. They're, 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 their mentality, their mindset, their attitude is attractive in friendship. But here's what I want you to know. Not everybody's content in life. Come on, not everybody's content. We've all been down that road where we didn't feel content. We've all been down that road where we just needed a little bit more or feel like we didn't have enough or, or maybe we had too much and it wasn't bringing the peace that we thought it would. Come on, turn with me to your Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to give you the scripture that I believe is in the top five of the most taken out of context scriptures. And I'm going to give you the, the scripture that I believe if we get a hold of this morning is going to shift some things in our life. Um, we, you always, we say context matters in the Bible. You need to know what's going on. You need to know where the writer was. You need to know what they were experiencing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, the apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he says, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at least you renewed your concern for me. At last, watch what he says, indeed you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Verse 11, he says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned, look at your neighbor and say, I'm learning. Come on, I'm learning to be content with whatever the circumstances. Verse 12, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether I'm well fed or I'm hungry. Whether I'm living in plenty or I'm in want. Watch what verse 13 says. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now watch this. I think, and I said in our prayer meeting this morning, I've always read the translations that say I can do all things through Christ. And I believe that's why we take it out of context. Because we look at the things and we think I can do all the things I want through Christ who strengthens me. Not just the things I need. I can do all these things I want. But that's not what Paul says in one translation. He said I can do all this. And the reason I like the translation where he says, I can do all this, is because it made me think about where was Apostle Paul at? What do you mean this? What was he doing? What was he going through? We're going to jump right into it. Point number one on your sheets this morning, the greater your contentment, the greater your capacity. The greater your contentment in your life, the greater your capacity. The more content I am, the more I can produce for God. The more I'm content in my life, I'm not searching to feel things in my life. I can do more for God because I have more capacity that's freed up. Contentment and capacity are connected. In fact, watch this. You will never find capacity until you find contentment. You'll never find capacity in, of the purpose of your life until you find full contentment in Christ. Does that mean, Pastor, I'm never going to get to a state in life where I want something? No, no, that's not what we're saying. But I'm content in what I have inside of me. But my question is this, if we were going to teach that class on contentment, where are we going to find the teacher at? I truly believe this, that if I was to say we're going to find a class on contentment and I'm going to find an instructor for us, that I would may struggle a little bit <laughs> to find that instructor. Because in order for you to qualify to be content in your life, you got to go through some stuff. And in the generation, in the society we live in, people don't want to go through stuff. 
We want God to take stuff off of us. We want God to take stuff away from us and deliver us from all these things that may be bringing us to a little deeper level of contentment in our life. That's why I believe if we was going to usher in a teacher, I would have to somehow get a hold of the Apostle Paul. And, and, and ask God if we could just borrow him for a minute to come teach us about contentment. And God said, no problem. And he showed us right here in Philippians how to do it. So we got Apostle Paul with us in Scripture this morning. And he's going to show us what contentment's all about. Here's what you need to know. Who better than the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament? What better man that has wrote two-thirds of the New Testament to know about contentment? Here's the thing. If you have a perfect life, because the society we live in says that Christians ought to be perfect. Come on. You ought to be perfect. You, ain't, you should never mess up. You should never do anything. You ought to be perfect. Well, guess what happens when you're perfect? You're not a candidate for contentment. Because that means you don't have adversities. You don't have trials. You don't have struggles. You don't have anything in life that would bring you to a deeper level with God because everything's perfect in what we do. That's why I tell people all the time, don't act like you're perfect. You might be losing capacity in what God wants to do in your life. We serve a perfect Savior, and he works his perfect will through our life. But in the flesh, there's no perfection. And within our own self, there's no perfection. But I got to look for some people this morning that have been on the mountain but also been down in the valley. I'm looking for some people in here this morning that says, Pastor, I've been at the highest of heights, and I've been at the lowest of lows, and even though I was at the highest of heights, I was good. I know what it's like to go to the bank and have all the money in that checking account looking real nice, but I also know what it's like to stand in the welfare line. I know what it's like to drive that brand new car, but I know what it's like to call Uber. I know what it's like to have the nicest home. I know what it's like to be in the homeless shelter. I'm looking for people that's real this morning that says, I know that you got to go through some things to get somewhere. I know you got to deal with some things to get somewhere that qualifies you for contentment. Listen to me, church. I'm talking about a man that prophesied that there was going to be a shipwreck. Listen to me. This man prophesied that there was going to be a shipwreck and got on the ship got on the ship that was going to be wrecked and rode a part of the ship to land. The ship wrecks, Apostle Paul's on a part of it, a piece of it, he takes it to land. He gets on land, builds him a fire, and in the midst of the fire gets bitten by a viper. Takes the viper, shakes it off, puts it back in the fire, and goes to preaching. I'm talking about a man that's been somewhere. A man that's content. I get on the ship if it'll wreck because I'm content in who I am. I'll take the bite of the, the, bite of the viper because I'm content in who I am. I know what my duty is. I know what my job is. Listen, we're talking about a man that in service, I used to have a complex because on Wednesday nights, sometimes people fall asleep in service. And I want to be the good pastor and not say anything, and I want to throw the microphone at them too. But that's just being real. But the apostle Paul was the same way. This man was preaching and got to preaching so long and a guy fell asleep, fell out the window, broke his neck and died. Now, we would have ran outside and called 911. We would have called the, the, the lounge funeral home and said, come on, get him. Let's bury this fella. He's dead. But the apostle Paul, content in who he was and what his calling was, went out there, raised him to life and went back to preaching. I'm talking about a man that's been somewhere. I'm talking about a man that's been through some things. A man that knows what it's like. Church, he didn't go without trial. Let me tell you what they told him. They said, hey, we're going to kill you, Paul. He said, cool. <laughs> to die is gain. 
right, then we're going to let you live since you're going to act like that. Well, cool, because to live is Christ. What type of person can respond that way? A person who's content. So then they tell him, Paul, maybe we'll just let you suffer. That's cool, too, because the, the, the present sufferings of this world do not compare to his glory that will be revealed through me. Matter of fact, I'd rather know him on the level of his suffering, so just let me suffer. Church, contentment. A man that they're threatening to kill, good. We'll let you live, good. We're going to make you suffer, good. I know who my Savior is. I know what's on the inside of me, contentment. Watch this, point number two, the enemy recognizes contentment. I want to show you some things about Paul before I tell you how to become content. In the Bible, in Acts chapter 19, the seven sons of Sceva <laughs> were going around and they were trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus whom Paul preached. And the demons spoke back to him. And he told them, he said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? You know how bad of a dude you got to be for the demons to know your name? You know how much power and contentment and authority in your life you got to have for the demons to say, I know Paul and I know Jesus, but I don't know you? Man of contentment. He was content in what he was doing. They responded. But here's what I want to show you. He's the same man who gives you the scripture that says, I can do all this through Christ who strengthened me. The same man who gives you that. No matter if they're believers or they've gone astray, somebody has heard this scripture. Listen, I was lost as you could be lost in the world playing college baseball, and I still put that scripture on my wrist. I didn't know what that meant. But it sounded like it was to my benefit. I can do all, I bet y'all don't strike out today. Got all things with Christ. We go to work, I need that promotion. Ain't talked to Jesus in months, but I can do all things through Christ. I need a raise because finances are tight. Ain't, ain't, ain't managing my money well, but I can do all things through Christ. He's just going to drop a deposit in my bank. It don't work that way. Paul was in prison. And he wrote that and he said, I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. Because they were struggling. Listen, you have to go back in the text, church. Because before he says, I can do all this, watch what he says. He wasn't saying, I can do all what you want to do. He was saying, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content. And I've learned in any and every situation. Whether I've been well fed or I've been hungry. Whether I've had plenty or I've had nothing. He said, I can do all this through Christ. That is one of the most taken out of context scriptures you'll find. <clears throat> because the world today still believes that we're talking about just victories. Write it down. You can do all things. You live like a hellion, but you can do all things through Christ. No. You can do all this. You can do all the things in life that is going on. Do you know what he was doing in prison? The Apostle Paul is bound in prison, and he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi, one of his favorite churches. And many scholars believe this, that the church at Philippi was in their feelings because the church at Corinth and the church at Thessalonica had given gifts to Paul. And they couldn't measure up to the gifts that they had given him, but he, they kind of knew that Paul liked them a whole lot. So they're not content 
in what they've got going on. And Paul is in prison and he's writing to the church and he's saying, stop it. You don't understand. You're not Thessalonica and you're not Corinth. You've been there for me when other people weren't. I'm thankful for your gift, even though you couldn't give. Paul is writing church to people on the outside and he is encouraging them in their life. And they are worried about him. In the scripture, he says, I'm glad you're concerned with me, but I'm more concerned about you. In the scripture, he's saying, I know you see all these things going on, but I'm not affected by it. Because there are people on the outside the prison that are still bound, and Paul knew that. He says, some of you are freer than what you would think I am in prison, but you're actually more bound than I am. He said, I may be in the prison, but the prison ain't in me. I may be inside this prison, but it's not inside of me. Just because you think I'm bound, I'm freer than you think. I'm content. He said, I've learned to be content because of what on the inside of Paul had matured into stability. Can I tell us something this morning? If you don't let the word of God mature in your life, you'll never find stability. You know how I know that? Because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. As long as the word of God has not matured in me and I've not and I've not fully accepted what the word of God is, I will be unstable in every decision I make. Contentment. How does a man become stable? Content. Content in who he is. Point number three, contentment is an inside comfort. This is the part I love about it. When I was working in North Dakota, it was negative 40-something degrees. No joke. I'm serious. Negative 40-something degrees. And... I would complain every day, every day. I'd get up and I'm like, man, what in the world am I doing? And all the guys in the, in the shacks with me like, man, it's not so bad out here. And I said, dude, it is freezing. And then they would respond this way. But you live in South Louisiana, dude, it's 100 and something degrees outside. How can you live out there, but you can't live out here? And then I would have to inform them that I live in a house that has air conditioning. I don't live outside. I don't live in a tent. I don't live in a doghouse. I do sometimes, but not the one outside. Now, you men should have got that one. But what's on the outside does not affect me when I was home because I had AC on the inside. What am I trying to tell you? Paul had AC inside of where he was. He had actual contentment on the inside of his life. Although the circumstances on the outside seem bad and the circumstances on the outside seem hot, he said, I'm not concerned with the things on the outside. I've got an inside actual contentment. He said, I got AC. You don't have to worry about me. I got contentment. I've learned these things through the things I've been through. Here's what I want you to know. It's easy to shout when the bank account's full, but that ain't impressing nobody. It's easy to shout when you get the promotion, but that don't impress anybody. It's easy to shout when you've been healed, but that don't impress anybody. What about when the bank account says zero and you shout? What about when you're in the doctor's office and it says bad report, you've got a diagnosis that you can't, we can't deal with, and you start shouting? What about when you lose the job and you start shouting on the way out the door? What about the times when all the things on the outside ought to affect you, but you've got so much contentment on the inside that you can shout and praise God for who he is? A man and woman that don't have contentment in their life can't praise God in the midst of struggles. Can't do it. Can't do it. That's why we have so many silent Christians. 
because Christians are struggling to be content on the inside. So I can't truly praise my God because I'm not content with who I am, much less who he is in me. My shout comes when I'm content. There's nothing impressive when everything's going good. I say it like this, show me your praise capacity and I'll show you your level of content. Show me the capacity inside of you in which you praise God and I'll show you your level of content. Because when you've got a high level of contentment, you've got a large capacity of praise. Show me what's on the inside of you. This is interesting. Thinking about the way we're created. Do you know that you're not naturally created to be content? You're not born content. There's never been a person in this world that was born content. We're all born greedy. We're all born selfish. And we're all born complainers. But you got to learn how to be content. Paul said, I learned it. Matter of fact, in that scripture, he said it twice. He said, I learned to be content. I went through some things. I endured some things. That's why point number four says you got to live and learn. Live and learn. Now, sometimes we take that out of context, too, because we say, man, I was dating this person, and I lived and learned. And then you go date another one. I lived and learned. I lived and learned. If you would find contentment, you wouldn't be saying I lived and learned so much. Living and learning is where contentment comes from. But you also can bring things upon yourself. But you don't learn how to serve God until you go to church and actually serve God. You don't learn how to be generous and give it until you start giving. You don't learn how to be a father until you put yourself in the shoes of a father. You don't learn how to be a good husband or spouse until you put yourself in that place. You don't know what it's like to be on the mountain until you stand on the mountain. You don't learn what it's like in the valley until you stand in the valley. You don't learn contentment until you live. You got to go through some things. That's why we always say, don't, don't ask God to take every little thing away from you. Don't ask God to move every wall. Don't ask God to move every barrier because some of it's there to bring you more contentment in who you are. Some of the things you go through in life are there to help you to be content because you can see that even though I don't have it, I have peace. Even though I don't have it, I have joy. And there's two types of people, church, that struggle with this. Normally, it's the people that have too much and the people that feel like they don't have enough. Because the people that don't feel like they have enough have a mindset that says, if I could only have that, I would have peace. If I only made more money, everything would be easier. If I only got another job, everything would be easier. If I only had a different, a different husband or wife, it'd be a whole lot easier. If I only had kids who acted right, it'd be easier. And then you got the person at the top that says, I got the nice car, but it don't bring me peace. I got the big house, but I don't have peace. I've got the fancy things, but I don't have peace. I did get the promotion 25 times, but I don't have peace. The top has to talk to the bottom, and the bottom has to talk to the top. The top has to say, hey, don't be desiring all these things because it's not going to bring you peace. And the bottom has to say, I don't have peace either, but I don't really need all those things either. Contentment. There's a middle range in there, and that's where we stand in society today. In 2014, Jennifer and I were transitioning from full-time evangelism to full-time pastor. A lot of you know that story already. I'm going to give you the whole story. But when we're transitioning through, I had a nice house, 4,000 square foot, on the golf course, on the lake in Tennessee, retirement home. 
every lifted truck you could want, every lifted Jeep you could want, every boat, every camper, every four-wheeler. Am I lying? They lying? You want to go to Disney World? Let's go. You want to go here? Let's go. We don't even check bank statements. Everything you could imagine, we had. But then we make this decision that we're going to go full-time ministry. And little did I know when I made that decision that God was fixing to shake some things. So we make this move, and I couldn't sell my house. I lived in a retirement community. Wasn't people just jumping to go live with everybody that was retired? Like except me, because I wanted peace and quiet. So we make this move, and here we are. We got two houses. What does that mean? Two house notes. I got a vehicle at work. I got a vehicle at home. Two vehicle notes. I got all these toys. I got all these things. We get down to where we're moving, and Jennifer has to get a different kind of nursing license. That takes months for us to get the process going. She goes months without a job. Next thing I know, I watch our account just keep on coming down. And I'm watching, I'm saying, God, what is going on? Next thing I know, I'm getting a call from the bank. We're taking your house. Can't sell it. Can't afford to pay it no more. Next thing I get a call, we're taking your trucks. You can't pay them. And I'm a, I, and me, so full of pride, I ain't, I ain't going to claim no bankruptcy. We're going to fight this thing. Take it. They take it. They take it. And in that season, do you want to know what bothered me more than anything? It wasn't the fact that I had lost everything I had ever worked for. It was the fact that I was worried how everybody else was going to see me. It wasn't that we had lost our whole life. It wasn't that we had lost everything, but I was worried about what everybody else was going to think about my situation. My contentment was in the fact I was too concerned with what other people thought. But I've come to learn some things. You can take a house, they did it. You can take a car, they did it. You can take the, the savings account and all the 401ks, they did it. But you couldn't take my wife, you couldn't take my kids, and you can't take my Jesus. You can take all the things you want, but contentment is found in places where it can't be taken. As long as your contentment is something that can be taken, you'll always want something more. The apostle Paul said, they took my life. I'm in a prison cell. Don't got a house, got no car, ain't got no Jordans, ain't got no jerseys, not gonna watch no ball games, but I got Jesus. I got Jesus. Proverbs 30, that's why the writer wrote this. He said, give, give me poverty nor riches, but give me my daily bread. He said, don't give me the riches because if you give me the riches, I'm gonna struggle with them. But God, don't give me poverty either, I'm gonna struggle with them. He said, God, Give me my daily bread. You know what he's saying? God, give me what I need. Just give me what I need. But you can't figure out what you need till you learn to trust the one who gives it. And say, the season I'm in may not look that good. Let me tell you something. That was two rough years of our life. We still deal with things from that. But I learned something. My peace was not in anything I lost. For a season, my peace was gone, and I think I get it back. But I learned quickly that my peace was not in the things we lost, that it was all found in the one who had called us out of that situation and into another. It just didn't go the way I wanted it to go. 
It didn't go the way we envisioned it to go. Life is bare when you compare. Life is very bare when you Roosevelt said it like this. He said, comparison is the thief of all joy. You want to have a miserable life? Spend your life doing this. Spend your life looking at everybody else. Spend your life trying to figure out what everybody else has, and you'll find you've got no joy in your life. You'll find you've got no peace. You've got no contentment in your life. You'll never be content. It happened in Philippians. They're comparing themselves to these other churches, and Paul is getting frustrated with it. He says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. You know what Paul's saying? You want me to give you the translation of today? If you compare yourself and your family and your finances and all those things against other people, you are stupid. That's what he's saying. If you want to lose your family and you want to lose your joy and you want to lose your peace and you want to lose your contentment, start looking at what everybody else has. Start looking at how they do things and try to do it that way. When we was, when we was traveling evangelizing, we'd go to the, we had assemblies, we had conferences, we had all these things. And I was, a young, I was a young preacher just learning. Probably said a lot of ignorant things while I was doing it. But I, I remember we would go places and we would get there and we would listen to all these ministers speak. And then I'd have to preach. And the whole, the, whole, the whole time, I'm just being reminded by the enemy how much I lack. That guy delivered that message real good. That guy was real smart. That guy tied all that stuff in real good. And then what I do is, by the time it's my turn to preach, I done made me a little, you know how you get on Madden and you make that dream team player? I done took all the things from every preacher I like, and I'm going to have me a dream team preacher, and I fall flat on my face. Preach and God will show me the reason is, is not because I'm not with you. It's because you're trying to be somebody you're not. I didn't call you to preach like that. I didn't call you to be like anybody else. I don't care how they deliver the message. I don't care how they do it. You have a purpose and you will, you will ultimately give up your purpose and lose your capacity if you can't find contentment. I can go a little further. You know the most common question for me right now as a pastor in this church that's starting to grow? You know what it is? We think about Highlands Church. We think about elevation. We think about redemption to the nations. We think about vibrant. I don't think much about it. You know why? Because when you start thinking the things of something else that you see, you would invite whatever problems in that situation right into yours. And I don't truly know what goes on in all the churches. I love their pastors. I think they're amazing. But God didn't call me to be them. God didn't call me, but the grass looks green. Yeah, but you don't know what it is. The greenest grass in the world is artificial turf. How you know something's not fake that you're looking at? How you know that house that you're looking at and that lifestyle on the inside of that house ain't artificial turf? How you know that Instagram post ain't artificial turf? How you know all them jobs and all that life you think everybody's living ain't artificial turf? I've got friends that are close to me. They got more money than most people can shake a stick at and calling me wanting to commit suicide. And the rest of my friends are wanting to be like them. Man, I just wish I had this money. Wish I could take my family on vacation like that. 
I just wish I had a house like you. And the man's wanting to commit suicide. Contentment is not about what you see. It's about who you are on the inside. Paul is putting them in their place. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, watch how people will pull you into the comparison game. So, Pastor, I got it all. Come on, worship team, join me. Pastor, I got it all figured out. I ain't comparing nothing in my life. Well, that's good, but be weary of the ones who will try to pull you into comparison. Paul is writing in 1 Corinthians 3. And don't you know they are comparing Paul with Apollos? They're looking at it like Apollos was a preacher. You hear me? Apollos was a preacher. Apollos, you give him a microphone, he'll preach the roof off the church. Paul was a writer. And they're looking at Paul like Apollos is the preacher, and maybe you should preach like Apollos. And Paul tells him, he says, number one, you're immature. It's the first thing he tells him. He says, number one, you're immature in your thinking. Because who am I and who is Paul and who is Apollos? He says, does not some plant, some water, and God gives the increase? Does not Apollos have a calling and Paul have a calling and God brings the increase to him? He's telling him, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to get into your comparison game. I'm not going to let you compare me with another person. He said, I know who I am and I know who he is. And there's contentment in knowing that. Let me take you down a road real quick about what it would look like if Paul would have played in the comparison game. The New Testament in your Bible, how many are thankful for the New Testament? How many love it? Love God's word completely, but how many love the New Testament? Paul wrote two-thirds of it. So what if whenever they was comparing Paul and Apollos and wanting Paul to be a better preacher, but he was a writer, what if Paul would have said, yeah, let me work on my art of preaching and stop writing? You wouldn't have anything to read. Two-thirds of his writings... We would be stuck with missing information because somebody got caught up in a comparison game and they tried to be like somebody they weren't and they stopped doing what they were called to do. What happens this morning if God has called you to something but you like the way somebody else does it and you try to do it their way? What happens when your family struggles about it? What happens when when your surroundings begin to feel the hit because you've played into comparing yourself? with somebody else. Pastor, I never seen people that preaching game jerseys and hoodies on Sundays. I didn't ask you to compare me with nobody else. God didn't call me to be no other preacher. God called me to be Derek and if I feel good about what God put on my heart, I'm going to do it. But you got to be content to be able to stand that way. Otherwise, the winds of the world are going to sway you every time it happens. Church, we do it in our homes. Bring relevancy to you for the last point. We do this in our homes. We compare our kids. Come on, you ain't got to be fake with me this morning. You're looking at somebody else's kids and saying, boy, I wish my kids act like that. You look at somebody else's kids and saying, I wish my kids had that athletic ability. I wish my kids had that talent. Let me tell you something. Your kids are the best kids for you. And if you had somebody else's kids, you wouldn't like them either.
Because the problem is not your kids, it's your contentment with what you have. We do it with our spouses. I like the way that person does this. I, I like the way that marriage looks. I, I like the way they do this. I like the way they do that. And if I could just have that, and if I could just have this, everything would be better. If you had it, it wouldn't be better because it's not the problem with the spouse and the marriage. It's the contentment inside the one that's complaining. You do it with your homes. Come on, I, I, I'm a Zillow shopping machine and ain't got money to buy none of them, but I like them keeps me content with what I have you ride through the neighborhoods and you're like there's one house what's the name of that road that we travel that white house coming to Caledonia all the time Calcola there's one house on Calcola I absolutely love every every time I pass that house I say I love that house keep on driving I love that house keep on driving but you know why I don't want that house because I can't afford that house and if I got that house, I would lose that house. I like it, but that's not what brings my contentment. It's not that we can't have dreams and visions, but you can't let that dream and vision become something that takes your contentment from your life. Last thing, know your needs. Know your needs. Who's got a baby in here? Bring them to me. Come on, buddy, let me borrow you and your child. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I promise. If I embarrass you, I'm in trouble. Come here. Read. Read, come here. How old are you, Reed? 13. How old is the baby? 11 weeks. Tremendous blessing. Read, can you say ABCs? Say them. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, and B, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. Nine, nine. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? Jackson. Can you say ABCs? Read, can you count to 20? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Jackson, 20, buddy. That's what we do in life. Pastor Derek, don't you want to be like Highlands? 11 weeks old. Tell me again, 13, 13 years old, 11 weeks old, 13 years old, one year old, 23 years old. Pastor, don't you want to be like this? Does you think this baby doesn't have the capacity to say it's ABCs? Yeah, it does. Eventually, it's going to be able to say it's ABCs. It has the capacity to say it. It has the capacity to count to 20. But it's only 11 weeks old. Reed has got 13 years of knowledge and training on how to say ABCs and 1 through 20. I can't look at Jackson and say, Jackson, you'll never be anything. You'll never amount to anything because you can't say what Reed can say who's 13 years old and has a 13-year head start on you. 
But Jackson ain't bothering him right now. He's fully content in the capacity of his life at 11 weeks old. And because he's content, all that capacity will increase. And he'll learn all these things over time. And he'll become just like a 13-year-old. But we look at our lives and say, but I don't have the house. I don't have the marriage. I don't have the success. I don't have the church. I don't have the finances. But you're only a fraction into your life. It doesn't mean you don't have the capacity for God to do this in your life. It means that you have to grow into it and allow yourself to be content with what you have. The more I'm content, the more capacity I have to grow. The more content, the more content I am the more capacity I can grow. Kids, that's why God said, come to me as a child. Come to me content with what you have. Come to me content because the more content you are, the more capacity you have. The more you come to me as a child, the more I can grow you into a mature child of God. Stand to your feet. Paul's writing. And I love what he does. Let me remind you just one more time. Paul's in prison, bound up by chains and shackles. Watch what he closes this letter with. <laughs> you know what I would have closed it with? Y'all love me so much, one of y'all better come bail me out. If you really care about me, you better come in here and get me out this place. I'm tired of being shackled. I'm tired of being bound up. You better get me out of this prison. Watch what Paul says. He says, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. This man is bound up in a prison. This man is shackled to somebody else. And he said, oh. All I can tell you is my God will supply all your needs. But what about you, Paul? Paul said, I got everything I need. I'm not here for me. I can see him writing him back and saying, Paul, what do you need? I need a pen and a paper so I can tell you that God will supply your needs. I'm content where I am. I'm content in my suffering. I'm content in my trial and my pain. I just need something to get to you. I just need to tell you how good God is. I just need to tell you, you don't need all these things. I need to tell you it's not in your job. I need to tell you it's not in your home. I need to tell you it's not in your finances. It's not your kids. It's not your marriage. It's your contentment on the inside because there's power in contentment. And contentment brings purpose and capacity to become who God has called you to be. Paul said, if you will be content and you will let God supply your needs, you will become all that you can through Christ Jesus. I need to know this morning, do you know what you need in your life? Do you know? Contentment comes in Jesus. Paul said, I got it all, but it's in Jesus. Hear me out. You're never going to be content unless you let Jesus fill your life. Keep searching. You're going to die trying. I'm closing with this. There was a man who was challenged by a landowner. And he told the man, he said, I tell you what, you take off walking. You can run, you can walk, you can do whatever you want to do. He said, wherever your foot steps, you can have that land. Wherever you walk, you can have that land. This guy ran out of his house as fast as he could, 
with everything inside of him running down the dream of owning all these land as fast as he could trying to get his feet on every square inch of that land trying to make every corner count trying to make every every step count you know what happened before he got to the end and claimed the land he fell down and he died of a heart attack research says that many of us will spend the first half of our life the first half of our life chasing wealth and struggling with health and then we'll spend the last half of our life trying to chase the health let me tell you something some of us in here are on the edge of spiritually killing yourself because of the lack of contentment in your life. You're on the edge of falling over with a heart attack spiritually because you lack content in your life. You're chasing your tail. You're trying to cover every ground. And can I tell you something? The only answer is Jesus. As we close this service, your depression, your anxiety, your fear, your doubts, your struggles is coming from a lack of contentment. If I was the enemy right now and I wanted to steal your peace and I wanted to steal your joy and I wanted to steal your contentment, I would have you recite the words, if I only had. See, we think that it's going to be a big bang theory. All I got to do is get you to recite the words, if I only had, if I only could. And all your joy and all your peace and all your contentment is gone. Can I pray for you? These altars are open. I don't know where you stand this morning. You can come pray in the circle, but you need to make a move this morning. You can pray at the altars on the stage. You can pray wherever you want, but you need to make a move this morning. Is there contentment missing in your life? I'm telling you this morning, Paul said, God will supply it through Christ Jesus. Maybe it's this morning, Pastor, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And today, I want to make that step. Today, I want Jesus in my heart. I want to find contentment. I want that missing peace that only he will feel. The Bible says that if you will confess your thoughts, your, your sins and your wrongdoings right now, that he's just and he's faithful. He's going to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But you've got to believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth of who he is. And I believe this morning, Jesus will change your life for the better. Father, we love you. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity you've given us today, Lord. God, we'll never find contentment in the things of this world. We'll never find contentment in complaining. We'll only find it in your son. Lord, I pray every area of our life this morning that feels void, every area of our life that feels missing this morning, God, that you would insert that missing piece in his name is Jesus. Lord, that you would fill us, God, with the peace and joy that comes from a Savior that gave his life on Calvary. Lord, that we would look at our spouses different. We'd look at our friends different, God. We would look at our, our homes and our finances and our situations and our jobs and our kids different than we ever have this morning, knowing that we have been blessed beyond measure. You have the perfect situation for us right now to teach us contentment and let us be satisfied. Let us be content with what we have. And let us give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, come on.